Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Listening to the Jersey Ghouls. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. That's right. And tonight we have a very special guest with us. Welcoming back James. Uh, you might remember him from last summer, I believe it was. He joined yeah. us for our It episode. <laughs> What's so funny? And he joined us for my birthday episode on Monster Squad. But we assure you, he was on. We just don't remember when he was on. Like, no, we, we've, we've, been doing, we've been doing this for so long now. It's just, you know, <laughs> I can't remember all of these episodes. You're an A-lister. We, I mean, don't get me wrong. You are top bill guests on and our special show. Special guest. Special. 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 Yeah, yes. It's like a very special holiday episode mm-hmm. when you're on. <laughs> um, so tonight we are here to uh, take it a little lighter. Yeah, we've we been do. we've been going we've been doing some uh, some heavy stuff lately. So yeah, tonight we're gonna just sit back, uh, relax, and watch some uh, some documentaries. Some faux documentary things yeah. going on. Here. Yeah. Tonight we're gonna start by checking out Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon, a 2006 entry by Scott Glosserman. Which is uh, this is gonna be my this is my first viewing of the movie. I really didn't know much about it. Same here. I went into it blind. I had no idea what it was. Yeah, initial reactions. Oh, I love it. Um, so the first thing I want to do is kind of establish what these are. These films. Um, I so a satire is a by definition a type of uh, story that points out problems in our society by making extreme exaggerations of them and mocking them. Obviously, like you know SNL South Park style. Um, I don't know that either of these necessarily qualify as satirical. But I do think the mockumentary could be like a subgenre of satire. Satire argumentatively. Hmm. Like, it's not making fun of something that exists, but just mockumentary horror comedy. Oh, yeah. Like, watching this, like, I was harking back to our college days, watch, you know, when we watched Waiting for Guffman, you know, five times a week. Like, all those Christopher Guest movies. Teacher's pet. <laughs> I want to be teacher's pet. Yeah, like I, it, to me, it was because that's all I know. When you say the words like mockumentary, I go right to Christopher Guest. Oh, uh, a Mighty right. Wind is another fantastic movie. and Best in show. Best, oh, God, Best in show mm-hmm. is so good. Uh, but, you know, having been a theater major and a person that's done community theater, my heart lies solely in Waiting for Guffman. Um, but no, so like this is the first time I think that I have seen a movie like that since, you know, the Christopher Guest days of the late 90s and early 2000s. Oh, that's interesting. I, I think of like the uh, the one on Netflix about the high school American crime. Oh, American Vandal? Vandal, that's right. Yeah, which I also thought was a really I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one either. Pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a mockumentary by definition has to be sort of a parody of of a genre so i think it's an interesting mockumentary in that way i also think it does say some pretty interesting things about society and like our fascination with killers in general so i think i would chalk it into the satire category yeah, I yeah. Think with with hesitation yeah that's what i say argumentatively yeah. there's a case to be made yeah it's got a little slice of the circle on the venn diagram 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing that I kind of wanted to throw out to you guys is this idea that comedy and horror are so deeply intertwined. Um, William Paul in his book Laughing and Screaming, which I kind of dove into for this episode, says that comedy and horror both have the same measure in that they are the only genre that like give a, a, a physical reaction. Like you, laughing or being scared are physical reactions that our body has that are almost out of our control. So it's interesting to see them juxtaposed with each other because they are so similar in that way. And I think that's an interesting argument. I can see that. Yeah. Um, also, Freud says that we secretly love horror because it repress it gives us a chance to uh, explore all those re repressed sexual feelings we have. Which... Oh, yeah, I had that in spades when I was watching the Yeah. Movie. Left and right. I mean, when Le Leslie Burden comes on the screen, yeah, I get yeah. it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with or without the mask um no, i'm just kidding totally joking <laughs> they're not i feel like i'm just kidding <laughs> always with the mask <laughs> but um yeah and the other thing that i find interesting is that both comedy and horror share this thought that anything that is very gross or shows a lot of gore or violence or just anything gross is lowbrow you know what I mean? Like, when you think about comedy and you think about horror, classy horror, class, classy comedy isn't considered, you know, like, isn't the gross-out gags. True. I mean, with horror and comedy, there's subtle ways to do it, and then there's just, like, the in-your-face, easy way to do it. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe I am lowbrow, which I think I am. Oh, but I'm not everybody. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love me some lowbrow humor, boy. So, one thing that I did want to throw out to you guys is that do you agree that we like horror because we like to explore our repressed violent tendencies through a safe means. I found that fascinating in all of this. Because mm. Leslie Vernon definitely kind of challenges us to look at our own violent tendencies, I think. Yeah, I guess to a degree. Because we are the, I mean, we are Taylor. We are the, the people watching when we shouldn't be. And we are the compliant ones. And we are the ones keeping the legacies alive. So I think that that theme is really fascinating for me. And I, I kind of Agree. I think secretly, deep down somewhere, it's got to be some sort of repression that feels good to get out. I think that depends on the person because when I was watching it, I like I, I didn't get that hmm. feeling. So I'm just a creeper, is what you're saying? I think so. <laughs> well, I think so. <laughs> no, because I'm I'm trying to think like. How can I put this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I never thought of it that way. And then I'm, like, sitting here thinking, like, you know, do I have violent tendencies? Yes. Do I? No, no. Okay. I, don't I don't think I do. I don't know. I guess we all do to a degree. And maybe... Well, it's just yeah. like... Oh, just <laughs> <laughs> she gets the knife out. I know. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Because it's like, watching Leslie Vernon, you are just as guilty as Taylor of, in all of this. And, like, we sit here and we watch it. And not only do we watch it, but we secretly like it. Oh, I, yeah. I felt kind of really creeped out by the whole thing. That's probably a more normal reaction. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that's because you're better than us. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better hair. <definitely>. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the whole time I watched it, I felt creeped out and just, like, I, skeevy. I wanted to take a shower when I was done. But the creepiness that I was feeling, I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. Or, no, I agree. And I think there's something deeply wrong with me for having such warm, fuzzy feelings towards the whole experience. No, but you know what? That brings something up. Is it like a male-female thing? 
Because, I mean, for us, like, instinctively, like, we find the, the actor that plays Leslie Vernon, we find him attractive. So, therefore, Ooh. we find him endearing and how sweet he is. And we're like, this is just a guy trying to get by murdering people. Not to speak like my students, but I totally ship them the, the whole time. I'm like, oh, God, maybe he'll be good and they'll be together and it'll be fine. Right. No, but I'm I, serious. I think it might be, maybe it's I like a male really female thing. I was really creeped out by him from the start. Really? Just, just the very first fake laugh. And I don't know if it was part of the character or just a bad actor but I'm just like I I wanted to get away from this oh, guy I found it so like charming yeah I think I think that's I think this is a male female divide because we're attracted to so him. you're not going to wear that mask later for us is what you're saying James. I didn't say that <laughs> I was just saying because I brought the overalls for you and I was kind of hoping you know. should we mention like explain what the movie actually was yeah we, yeah, we should we that good thing yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. alright so Jackie why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and dust off the old synopsis I know it's been, a, it's been a while it since I synopsed uh, so this documentary uh, there's a couple of grad students putting together a documentary and they're discussing you know the known slashers they're talking about you know Haddonfield's Michael Myers and Springwood's you know Freddy Krueger Crystal Lake's Jason Voorhees but I, I also couldn't help but notice that they weren't referencing them as movie characters. Like Correct. In, in the world of this movie, they, they those exist. things happen and they exist. Which they I love. Yeah. Chucky at a certain Yeah. Point. Like, they, they, this is real life where all of these killers aren't portrayed. I mean, they're, they're, they're not portrayed as movies. They are portrayed as actual serial killers that have, you know, haunted these places. So... In Glen Echo, there is another local legend about a, a man named Leslie Vernon, who, as a child, was thrown over a waterfall, uh, and of course his body was never found. I guess he never listened to the advice to not go chasing waterfalls. hi <laughs> uh, In his defense, he was stolen by a frenzied mob. That's true. And, and thrown. By right? a nickel. <laughs> but, but then they had to take him to a waterfall and throw him off. I'm like... Shoot him. You <laughs> save yourself a lot of time and energy. I kind of thought of that many times throughout the whole movie at different parts. I'm like, shoot him? <laughs> like, it's so much easier. You're not wrong. But it could just be me because I'm like, I have so many other things I'd rather do than hunt down teenagers. <laughs> I don't know. As a high school teacher, there are times where I can hunt down teenagers. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. That's true. So, uh, so we meet the, the fabled title, the titular character. Oh, you said titular. I said tit. <laughs> you definitely emphasize the tit and titular. I'm just going to throw that out there. You do. I put Say it again. Do I put the tit and titular? <laughs> you do put the tits and titular. I put two of them in there. Um, no. I hate that word, too. I know. Titties. So oh, gross. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I thought guys are supposed to be the immature one. Oh, no. no. Not in this podcast. Fair enough. Uh, so anyway, so... We finally get to meet uh, Leslie Vernon, who has agreed to be a part of this documentary that a woman named Taylor is conducting. It's Taylor, and she's got two cameramen, and the whole plan is we're going to follow him around. We're going to learn the process. We're going to watch everything he does and just kind of, you know, explore the world with Leslie Vernon. So right away, they, they start talking shop, and she's trying to get into the why. Like, why do you do this? And he, he stops her right then and there. This isn't about why. This is about how. I'm going to take you on my journey. And he goes step by step through, you know, they park across the street from a high school. And he starts talking about, you know, you got to find the right kids. and Yeah, like, maybe it's just me, but I, I 
really wanted to know, like, why is he doing all this? Like, there's no rhyme or reason. I think that's kind of the point. Which is what he says in the movie. I think you know he's like it's you can't you can't sit here and explain why he wanted to become a legend. Yeah, he it, at one point he says. Oh no! I think I know where you're going with this. He uh, he makes a point of saying that there is too much good in the world, so you gotta have the evil to kind of balance it out. Yeah, and that's exactly what I think the point is. I think there's no why. There's more just a. It, it has to. There has to be. I think this is a movie very much of dichotomies, and I think one of the big dichotomies is this idea of good versus evil. And he says it. He says, I'm just the evil. That's why I'm here. And his mentor makes a point of saying it in mm-hmm. a really good line. He's like, you can't have good without the evil. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's this huge theme in this film is that, like, we are all b- part of both the good and the evil. Because at one point he says, you know, we, you guys love the idea of me. I need to exist because you love it. And I think that's another interesting dichotomy that, like, here we are in a society where we don't want this, but really we do. And the proof is in the pudding in that we are obsessed with, like, serial killers and horror film killers and all this other stuff. It's like, one of the things that I think makes you feel gross about this film is the fact that, like, for me personally, I'm so guilty of this. Like, the sensationalism and the, the the fascination with these types of guys. Like, I mean, granted, we're not the kind of people who are going to go marry them in a jail cell, but, I mean, I'm going to read a book visit? about them. Yeah, I'll maybe write a letter. No, I'm just kidding, I don't. Uh, but, like, I definitely, like, I am guilty of watching movies about them and reading books about them and learning about them. And so, in a way, it's like I do feel kind of, like, complicit in their evil and kind of, like, responsible in a weird way. I, I kind of did, too, but I'm on the other side of the fence and like I kind of wanted to stop it like if I if I was there in the movie I would either get the hell away from this guy or try and get him to stop or I mean, which turn the footage into this authority yeah which she does I mean she ultimately tries to stop you know yeah. like not to get ahead of the your Wait, well go ahead finish yeah so well to, to to brief it up um so he takes her through the process of picking out his victim uh, making sure he selects the right girl that has the right friend group because you need to have, you know, the slut, the jock, the virgin. They really do a good job of breaking down that aspect of it. Right. Like, there are different steps that he had to... Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a build. love song to horror movies, I think. This oh, movie. absolutely. And that was very well done. A hundred Yeah. Like, it was very well thought out, a lot of this. So mm-hmm. after he goes through showing her how you pick the victim out, and then it's in the steps of taunting the victim and making them start to be afraid, making them feel as though maybe somebody is watching them. Like, we're, we get that whole, like, Laurie from Halloween, like, is she crazy? The boogeyman isn't real. You're not actually seeing somebody. Like, you go through the cycle of psyching out your victim um we meet leslie's uh you had mentioned his um like the mentor. word mentor uh yeah. eugene which um, is a great way to introduce the character they go to they go to the house they meet the wife I and love she's it. like oh he's out back in the the, pod the, the deprivation the tank deprivation right? tank and then you come to realize that she forgot him out there for three days. So then they go out to dig him up and he's been down. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. <laughs> and just the idea of like what I love about this film is like you love those mentors. Like I want to hang out with them and have dinner. Like and they're so normal. It is, and that's I I, I <laughs> wrote somewhere down about how yeah um, how casual 
the conversations are about like the how being you have to be methodical um, and when you plan and picking the victim and and Eugene his uh, his mentor talks about the other killers that I had mentioned earlier but it's funny because like you know he's like oh you know like the greats like Jay Mike Fred like he talks about like you know the boys down at you know like in the union you know mm -hmm. Jay Mike and Fred um, <laughs> it's also <laughs> casual. Yeah, they're just talking shop about murdering people, yeah. just like it's a, a, a bad day at the office and it was easier in his day because they would just go on sprees. They didn't have to do all this extra work <laughs> yeah. to build yeah. a legend and a legacy. And I absolutely love it. I think it's such an apt way to kind of like make fun of the genre. Like I just, I absolutely adore the scene at the dinner. Oh, it's yeah. just, and I also find it so fascinating how well these characters can be liked. Like, it was so easy for me to like them all, and I knew I shouldn't be. Like, he's yeah, a killer. They're, they're the like, bad guys, right? And, like, the wife is complicit in this. And, like, but, like, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I would totally go to dinner with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, if you, if you broke down, yeah, they'll give you gas, they'll yeah. feed you, and put you up for the night. They might murder you, but, yeah. you know, they'll be nice about it. No, they're going to be very polite about <laughs> it. Um, so then we get to, um, we a big plot point is we learn that, Leslie Vernon is not exactly who he says he is. Uh, Leslie Vernon, the legend of Leslie Vernon, is, you know, a legend in that town, but this particular man named Leslie actually isn't that Leslie Vernon. Um, he's just a guy named Leslie who knows the legend and thought, hey, like we were saying before, we need a little balance of good and evil. I need to be the evil, so I'll adopt this legend, make it my own, and look, now Leslie Vernon's real. Yeah, and I think another theme that happens is that it speaks to the fact that in our society, we are so one-upping in the fucking horrors around us. Like, every, all of these mass shootings, all of these real-life atrocities, like, there is a sense that these crazy mofos are, like, one-upping each other and that there's a showmanship to it all. And yeah, there's, like... Escalation. Yeah, and it's so, it's such a good, like, such a good play on that. Such a good satirical look at just how much, like you said, right. in, in, in order to become a legend, you see behind the camera how much work this guy has to put in, how much thought he has to do just to become it's, a legend. Yeah, it's it's a labor of love. He, he ends up um, taking Taylor to... Like the staging area, they go back to the the Vernon home where he knows the kids are going to come party and drink and do whatever. And he takes her kind of step by step through the night. This is how it's going to go down. You know, I've he's rigged the game in his favor because I mean, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but he knows the outcome is going to go three ways. He's going to kill her and basically win the day for himself. He's going to get arrested or he's going to die. Mm -hmm. He knows, he know, and he is perfectly okay with any of those three things happening. He just wants them to happen. He wants this night. This is his night. You know, after he takes Taylor through the whole entire scene of this is how it's going to go down, it's like an hour or two before everything is ready to go, and, and Leslie and Taylor are just sitting there, and, and he just starts to cry. And he said he's just, he's so happy. Like, this is his moment. Like, this is finally, this is the culmination of everything he's ever wanted. This is Christmas. Yeah. This is yeah, like, so, and this is so major. And then, you know, basically the rest of the movie is the kids show up, you know, the mayhem starts, and suddenly the documentary stops. They literally, Taylor changes her mind. And she's like, you know what? Nope, can't do this. And Leslie's like, you can't do it. That's fine. You're out. And, you know, they, they have their goodbyes. And that's when Taylor turns and says to her cameraman, 
we got to go back. We got to save these kids. And then suddenly there's a POV shift and we're no longer in documentary mode. Yeah. We're in just traditional film and we watched the rest of the film play out. And that was, and that, and that was one of the, the, the aspects of the movie I like is right then and there, it's not only a tonal shift in the movie, but I mean, it ceased to be the documentary and now it's back to being a full on horror movie. Right. We get an actual horror movie. Um, and so I kind of don't want to go into too much more only because I know there's a bunch of notes we want to dive into. So we'll save the ending until we get there, but let's dive into, to the notes that we have taken. Yeah. Um, well, so, so jumping into that moment and I think it's okay if we skip around a little bit here. My only, I agree with you guys. I think it's a really interesting, like shift. I, I'm actually on the fence. Um, the first time I watched this movie, I flat out. Did not like the. I did not like it. I did not like that they changed the point of view. I did not like that it became a traditional movie. On my second viewing, I'm I'm simply on the fence because I appreciate the choice they made. You know, I appreciate that they went from documentary. They shifted it to a slasher, and I kind of almost can see why they did that. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I like it. I, I really don't. I think I do. But there's just that little bit of me that's like, mm, like, I don't know. Like, it was an interesting choice. I won't say I liked it or I didn't like it. I will call it an interesting choice to do that. It was, a, it was a really smart way to change the tone of the movie. And I think what they're trying to go for is for the first hour, you are just a viewer. Seeing all the behind the scenes and the kind of like at what point would you, the audience, get involved and put a stop to this? I can't speak for anybody else, but I mean, that would kind of be like the average point. Yeah, I agree. When shit's going to start going down, you say, I can't sit by and be a witness. Yeah, because, I mean, he doesn't kill anyone before that, right? No, he killed the two people in... He killed the, the people in having sex in the bedroom. And he's on the other side of the closet... Yeah, that's yeah. that's what she's the talking film, about. The, the point the yeah. point where okay. Taylor was like, "We're done," is the moment after he killed the two people having sex. Yeah, and he that's had right. them right. kicked out of the house because they're right. making too much noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like all bad at them. Now, so here's the other thing in my head that I'm trying to iron out: if he le- if like let's say Taylor just gets in the van and fucking books, does is she his ultimate victim target? See, I have I have that's a note that I have that like. It, they make it seem like she was his final girl. Like, she was right. his pick all along. But I feel like everything that we learned in the movie leading up to that discovery, it kind of throws out what he says. Like, it kind I've, of... I viewed it more as he's playing the odds. It could have been either one of them. Mm, his, yeah. his plan to me was just set up on too many variables. Too many things could have gone wrong for his plan to go right. So he, instead of just putting all his eggs in one basket and going after the one girl, he's got two possibilities. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know that I buy the idea that Taylor was the final girl from the start. I, I, I agree with what yeah. you're saying, that like there was a pop, that he mm. could have gone down either road. And, and been okay with it? You know, because it's like, you know, he said like, oh, you know, like it's, she's, she's got to be a virgin. You can like, you know, smell them from a mile away. You know, the virgins. Um, but didn't she turn out to not be a virgin? Like, yeah, his, Taylor his, his, ta- no, 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 Taylor, Taylor was a virgin. Um, 
Taylor Kelly. Yeah. Kelly. The um, no, she really? said she was. Oh, that's really, yeah. That's less incompetent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I like when she takes the shirt off and she's like, all right, let's fucking do this. Like I I liked her awakening as the final girl. Like I bought it. More than I thought I would. And I, I did like the sudden <laughs> burst of violence. Like, I feel like it was a very tame film. And then it, like, for, for a film that had a lot of heart, surprisingly, it got really dark really quick. Like, you know, like, and I, I have the same note for what we do in the shadows, ironically. Like, there's a surprising amount of gore for something that's kind of comedic. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. But this movie, uh, if you pay attention, is riddled with Easter eggs. From, you know, it, it is it is a love letter to slasher movies. Um, not it, only. It definitely comes across when you're again, that the people who made the movie oh, just yeah. love horror movies. There, there's like little things, um, characters' names. You know, uh, Eugene, his mentor. Mm -hmm. The wife is named Jamie. Um, then you have actors uh, like Zelda. So many cameos. Zelda is in the movie. Uh, Robert England is in the movie oh, as the Ahab. He's the Ahab. He is the Ahab. I love that too. He's got an Ahab. I, it was so funny when they were all proud. I'm like, oh, oh I know. Oh, honey. Come on. He got his first. He got his Ahab. It's so like strangely endearing. Like, I love the, what they did with him. So uh, Robert England's character is Doc Halloran, which is the name of the cook from The Shining. Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, he says Doc Halloran, but he was like, Doctor. So now he's like the Dr. Loomis character. He also was dressed exactly like Dr. Loomis totally. from Halloween. Um, there's like a lot of little things. Like the uh, Hellraiser puzzle box is a yes. knickknack in Eugene and Jamie's house. And, uh, when they're at the high school um, picking out, like he's showing the victims, in the background there's like three little girls in white dresses playing jump rope like they do in Nightmare on Elm Street. And like, Oh shit, I didn't see that one. Yeah, like there's, there's just so many little Easter eggs that, that are – it's just – I very much enjoyed this movie, and yeah. this, I feel, even with that tone shift at the end where it actually becomes a real slasher, like I said, I don't know, I'm still on the fence if I like that shift or not, but I, it doesn't take away from the fact that I really do like this movie. I just don't see how they could have finished the movie staying with that documentary. Yeah, I, I can see that. Another, it, was a, it was a great way to write the mm. film crew out, because how are you going to have this work yeah. going through? And then, you know, watch out for the boom mic and the two yeah. <laughs> Also, That's in, true. in the very, very beginning when Taylor is narrating it, um, was that Kane Hodder yes, walking into Nancy's house from yes, there on the street? I thought it was, but I'm like, like that was to, random. I'm like, was that Kane Hodder? Yeah, because he's not listed in the credits either. So I was like, wait, maybe it wasn't. And it totally is. Totally is. <laughs> um, and it's funny because the guy who did this, who produced and wrote this, is actually just a documentarianism. A documentarianism. Me teach English. As just, <laughs> it's a new religion. <laughs> the guy who, um, so the guy who wrote and directed this is actually just a straight up documentarianism. Why am I having such trouble with that word tonight? Documentary Document filmmaker? Documentary filmmaker. There we yeah. go. But she's that simple. So, Marissa, is the guy that made this movie just a documentary filmmaker? Fuck you. <laughs> His only other credits are all legitimate documentaries. There's one about Wikipedia. There's one about prison rape, which I didn't watch, incidentally. Not as funny as you might Not think. as funny. I mean, that yeah, was not, not a comedy. Not as mockumentary, more like documentary. But, yeah, so he must just be a fan. But I, And it's funny because I think there was actually, a, for a while, like a crowdsourcing campaign to make a second one of these. 
and it just kind of fizzled out, which makes me sad because I want more Leslie Vernon. I know, but I hate the credit scene. Can we talk about the? Oh, the I don't. Scene? I don't hate the end credit scene. I like I the don't. end. I love the song "Psycho Killer" by the Talking Heads. I so. I like the end because you keep that's the whole thing. Those these the these legend. killers never no, die. Well, they never yeah, die. You're I was right. so like the moment they started to show the footage and they rolled the body in. I'm like, oh, he's coming back. He's gonna come back. So as we've talked about, um, when it gets to the end of the movie, it's revealed that. Taylor herself is actually his chosen final girl. Um, so throughout the whole movie, there is like tension, like sexual tension between Taylor and Leslie. Totally. Like there he is could, he could face, but there totally is. I there, she was gonna get raped. It wasn't it wasn't sexual tension, more like she has to No, go, I think they were attracted to each other. Well it's like, you know, like when he was excited about something, it's high five this cameraman, high five this cameraman, come give a hug. Like he always found a way to like, you know, they laughed and he would like touch her shoulder. Like yeah. they like they were seemingly into each other and you could see her hesitation where she wanted to, but she also knew what he was. But that made me think about the other final girl serial killer. Like, is there like a weird romantic, not I don't know if no romantic, like a weird love thing? Like, like think about like Freddie and Nancy and, well, and the, Laurie the new and Michael. Halloween movie totally plays to that. Like this idea that she is just as obsessed with him as he, as is, he is with her. her. Not in any sexual way, but like Michael Myers very much consumes her existence. It's a very twisted take on Stockholm. You're right, and you're looking at it from a very healthy perspective, because it is, even in this movie. But yeah, like, I think there is a certain suggestion, like, if you look at the Scream movies, or if you look at, like, Halloween movies, it is this very much, like, they are as equally invested in their killer as the killer is in them once this whole thing happens because of the trauma and because of, like, the, the relationship yeah. itself, um, which I kind of find fascinating. And yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there's a sexual tension, and I think there's also kind of a a sweetness to their... I know, I know, James, you have every right to look at me so judgy. But no, it's didn't, so true. didn't you think they were going to kiss I, when they were saying goodbye? Totally. And I... Totally. At the <laughs> end, when, when he was saying goodbye to the cameraman and he was saying goodbye to Taylor because he had to go back in the house and mm -hmm. do his thing, he's got his hands on her face and they're saying goodbye and she reaches up and holds his hands and pulls them off her face and says goodbye. And I feel like, like you could see the disappointment in his face because... Yeah. Like, he, like, it was like, I was waiting for them to kiss. Like, so I was waiting for it. So, I know, God. wait, is this not the way to get a girl? <laughs> I mean, obviously I, it works for us. Well, here's the problem, too. It goes back to the old trope of, like, you can change a man. Like, there was a part of me that was like, he's going to realize he doesn't want to kill anybody, and they're going to run off together. Like, I think it was like the <laughs> titanic romantic fan in me that the Hallmark movie watching part of me was definitely like, it's going to work out. He's going to realize he doesn't want to be a killer. They're going to get a Christmas tree farm. It's going to be <laughs> like, you know, like, just like in the Hallmark they, movies. They have a vandal instead of committing crimes will drive around solving mysteries. That's right. They just need to get a exactly. great day. And like, I, I really, I don't know, like, there were so big this huge part of me that really wanted this to turn into a rom-com at some point. When they are at Eugene's house, she says, so tell me, Eugene, how does someone like me get away from someone like you? And he says, you run. Pick a, pick a direction and yeah, you run like you hell. run like hell. And so when it came down to it and Taylor and the camera crew were suddenly faced in that situation, what did they not do? They didn't run. She didn't listen. But she got him. 
Yeah, but, but, at one, but at one point, the, the one fat cameraman tried to run, but he didn't very No, because it's the cardio thing. Get you every fucking time, man. It's going to be me in the movie. <laughs> she was so bent on saving everybody else instead of saving herself like Eugene told her to. I mean, yeah, she got him at the end. But like I said, she didn't listen. No, she didn't. But she, I think going back to the dichotomy of like good versus evil and right versus wrong, it would have been wrong to walk away and let those people die. Oh, like, I'm not saying, yeah. yeah, I will agree with that. But I'm just saying she's, she's a dummy. She no, yeah, she is a dummy. And I also think nine out of ten of us would have ran. Oh, yeah, I'm out of there. You know what I mean? Like, I'll call the cop. I'll call 911 from the road. That's I, just as good. Yeah, I, I would have reported this guy a long time There's ago. enough teenagers. Oh, yeah. I have to go there. To film this, I'm bringing a gun or a knife or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting in that dichotomy is this idea of, like, us versus them. Because Leslie very much says to her, like, I'm going to live forever because people will make me live forever. Like, m- what I did and who I am is going to be infamous and carry on forever and it's true like i think this does motivate some people to do fucked up shit and i think we're guilty and we're we're like liable for this in some way because we fucking sensationalize like you know what i loved about the the thousand oaks shoot shooting the most there's so little Mm -hmm. fucking talk of that motherfucker okay the one that just happened in california yeah um and i love that we're starting to fucking wise up and realize that like Fuck them. Don't give them attention. Don't say their don't, names. Yeah, don't give them. Don't give the shooter the publicity. Exactly. Put it all on the victim. Exactly, because that's how fucking Leslie Vernon's are born. And so in that way, I think it does kind of fit the bill of being, you know, a comedy that absolutely plays with the horror of it all. Because like, I, I read this one line when I was reading that book that like, there's a really thin line between horror and hilarity. And um, as Alfred Hitchcock, I think we've talked about this in another episode, very famously said he was like, my movies were horror movies, but they were supposed to make you laugh because. The laughter is us dealing with our discomfort. Um, But awkward laughter is very much like, I mean, a release, I think, that we need, especially nowadays. And I think that, you know, he's right. We make these guys legends. It's our fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, makes me sad. That's why it's okay to like fictional ones like we do, right? No. No? (laughs) Jackie loves the Firefly family. Whatever. I do. At least I hate <laughs> I draw my line at, like, Freddy. <laughs> if they're too real, we don't like you. Leslie Vernon be like you, though. <laughs> I mean, he was going to go through all this, and then one of the kids was going to bring a gun. So the moment he goes to make his reveal and start, somebody just shoots him, and then it ends. Holy fuck, I think I would have loved that. <sighs> I really do. I think that would have profoundly blown my mind, and I would have so, oh, James, you should write the ending to this film. But my, my biggest gripe with that is... He, he tells her all the things he does to get these people where they are, and she does them. She goes to the tool yeah. shed. He tells her, "You will always like people always grab the most easily available weapon," and he sabotages them all. She knows this. She goes in there. She still grabs the shitty. Act. She knows that everything is rigged. She knows all this, and yet she still follows the same path that he pretty much laid out for the other girl. Which is interesting, because then it begs the question of, would we follow the script? Like, are we all just, like, fucking mice in a trap in that way? Like, I'm trying to think now, because at first I was like, well, I would have wanted her to be a more badass final girl. Like, I would have wanted her to play against all of his planning. But really, maybe you wouldn't. Like, the other thing is, I mean, you don't know how you'll react to each other in that situation. Very true. I hope nobody is in that situation. Very true. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Like, 
honestly, when I watch these movies, I think, like, what would I do? I would have died seven times in the movie. Oh, true story. Me too. Mainly, at one point, like, you got six people running away from the house while this guy's chasing them. There's six of you, one guy with a knife. You could just bum rush them. Yeah, Three yeah of nobody knows. ever does that. Yeah. I but mean, I think in real life you wouldn't. I, I probably would, just because it'd be like, oh, there's more of us than him. Yeah, somebody's going to get hurt, but we can stop True. this. I would be like, all I right, would, dude, let's do it. And while you rush, I might be getting a head start. Yeah, and that's that's exactly I, I'd be like, and you'd all be like, yeah. <laughs> We're we, right behind you. We, we got you. your back. Totally. You want? Come over here. Yeah, that's totally why you can't bum rush him because you and I both know that in that situation, maybe we would be like, all right, we're going to fucking take him. Like, let's bum rush him. But really, you'd wash out. You, you, I think I'd run. I really do. At least I know this about myself. Like, I am a lover, not a fighter. Like, I would absolutely. I want to pretend I'm the person who would fight, but I would run. At a certain point, I think I would snap and try to take the killer out, but that's just because I'm tired and I want to go home. My social battery is trained. I'm just like, oh, fuck this. I'm fuck done. This, I'm done. Right. Or you want to kill me? Fine. I want to fucking go after you because I'm tired. I want to go to bed. <laughs> One way or the other, I'm saying goodnight. Yeah. Um, I think I would run because at the end of the day, I'm never the fastest one in the group or the most in shape one. So I need that head start pretty yeah, desperately. Me too. You're, you're missing a thing. You got to just kick somebody in the leg and then start running. That's a good I never knew, and I guess just because I never thought to look into it, I didn't know that there was an opposite to phallic. I had never heard of Yannick before. Honestly, all right, so that, that's not just me. I, I did not know that either. Yeah. He so talks I thought that was just this. me being a man. Yeah, I don't know. No, he so he talks about when he's describing the scene to Taylor about, like, everything that's going on and how he was talking about, like, the rebirth and sending his final girl into the um, – Apple uh, Orchard was like the Yonic symbol of, of like the birth canal. And I was like, is this made up in the movie or is that real? And I looked it up and yeah, like the opposite of phallic is Yonic. And it's like the representation of like the vulva or the vagina. Like there's phallic symbols and there's Yonic symbols. I'm going to name my next dog Yonic. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Fucking love that word. Even more weird if, like, it was a boy. (laughs) Give him a complex. (laughs) I'll never have another boy dog again after having a female dog. That, like, assumes a dog's gender. Yeah, no, I think you gotta check that. Like, with a dog. (laughs) Like, you gotta know that right off the bat. (laughs) Anything else for uh, Leslie Vernon? um, Yeah, two things. One, I love the awkward moment when the camera crew reveals to the people in the house what's going on. And then, like, people are like, wait, you were just going to film us die? I yeah. do like and that like, part. I'm like, God damn. I, like, I have a lot awesome. of awkward situations in my life <laughs> just because I'm awkward. Yes. And I'm like, I, I don't ever want to get to that level of awkwardness. Yeah, I, that's very true. Well, I also have a lot of awkwardness in my life. My question in my head that I was wondering at that moment is, like, would I let this go that far? Like, no, right? I, we I wouldn't, wouldn't let that go. I wouldn't. Like, when I first found out what the guy was doing, like, I have the film footage of, like, the confession of the guy saying, well, this is what he wants to do. I would have turned it over to the authority. But we all seek, like, 
if I like put it in the, this terms, like if somebody came on, it was like, I want to be on guest star Jersey Bulls. And then you like, James, you proceeded to tell us your plan for murdering somebody. I'd fucking let it go. So I'd be like, this is going to be podcast gold. Like I you know, know that's shitty, but I no, would but, let it go for at least well, a little bit. Think about it. That's a really good point. She's making a documentary. Yeah. What better way to have like this insanely oh popular God. stellar documentary of I filmed the whole process and the end result of a you, serial killer. You have to weigh your morals against how famous you want to be. And, but that's like the theme. Like there's no morals in a world where we want to be. Like I can categorically say I've never had fame as like a goal. Like that just makes me nervous and my social anxiety gets like, <laughs> even just thinking about that. I have yeah, to take my medicine. Good mind's kicking me <laughs> yeah, too. Seriously. So it's like, I've never wanted fame, which I know is stupid because we do this, but I do this just for the love of the genre. I, mean, I do it for the art, man. Um, <laughs> but like, I was told I'd be paid. <laughs> yeah. We're paying you in Chick-fil-A. <laughs> that's more than most guests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's very true. And that's true because you guys, Sorry. Fed, you guys fed me and I'm all hopped up and pollen. Sauce, you know? Sorry, Matt Kelly. No, no, I think we are obsessed with fame. And I think deep down, if given the opportunity, we would also, at least Jackie and I, you're a better person than we are categorically, as this yeah, episode yeah, is demonstrated. That's not a high bar to clear. <laughs> no, I'll so. tell you, there are um, some of Chad's middle school students. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I'm going to be a YouTube star. Oh, straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, kids these days that want to grow up and be YouTube oh, celebrities. Oh, come on. We wanted it too in just different ways when we were little. Like I wanted to be on Kids Incorporated so bad. What? what? Jenny and I, my childhood best friend, we've been together it's forever. good. We used to podcast. We, I had a karaoke machine in like seventh and eighth grade and we used to like put the tape in and hit record and we called it the show and we'd be like, Hey, welcome wow. to the show. And we literally, we just You're like talk. You, oh I my God. I popped your podcast cherry. I, I mean, technically you did, but just got really thick. no, I just now realized that we were talking about that. That me and Jenny used to like, I mean, it was a podcast. I've always been secretly <laughs> jealous of Jenny as it is. And now you've really made this way worse for me. And I'm going to tag her in this episode. I have to find them. You're still my first. Thank you. If we listen to that, it's us kind of talking about boys, randomly breaking in, randomly breaking out like into no doubt songs because we were because we both wanted to be. Oh yeah, we both wanted to be Gwen Stefani. Oh my god, it's called it's called the show. And actually, nice name. Hey, a lot of thought went into it. But let's call it the show because it was welcome to the show. Um, that's okay, because you know what? You're not my first podcast either, because I'm making gravation with Joey when we were See, little, so there you go. off. There and you ours go. had a better name, making gravation, which translates loosely in Spanglish to making a recording. What's <laughs> better name? <laughs> I'm just going to see if I can offer them. I didn't have friends I'm as a kid, friend. so... I, my bride made my big brother do it with me. I didn't have friends either. I spoke into a flashlight. Hello. <laughs> oh, bad message. <laughs> and to like the light flashing on your face, that'd be so fucking awesome. <laughs> um, Leslie Vernon. Yes, go watch it. It's a wonderful movie. I, I'd probably give it another shot. No, now, knowing what I now know and talking mm. to you two about it, I'd probably watch it again, just not anytime soon. Mm. I'll watch it. I'll put my overalls on. Yeah. Get a little freaky. Put a little. Get a little. <laughs> dark, a little. little, little uh, what does he put on his face? Preparation H and flame retardant. Oh, yeah. He's so oh, flame a, retardant. It's that's a right. combination of. Oh, that 
to sting like a mofo. It's like what the it's boxers. It's a concoction because he said like it restricts blood flow, keeps the swelling down. It's also flame retardant. Which is funny because, which is maybe good foreshadowing because she sets the place on fire, right? Doesn't yeah, but that's mean? after she sticks his head, head in the apple press. Yeah, but right. it's okay because he comes back in the end. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, of course, I'm, he couldn't die. No, I kind of was like, damn it, but I, 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 I see why you loved it, but I hated it. Um, so let's get to my favorite vampires. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, so basically the rest of this episode is going to be a love fest of us just quoting What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. 2014? Yes, ma'am. 2014 mockumentary uh, written and directed by Jermaine Clement and Taka Watiti. Ooh, nicely done. Easily, you can just refer to him as Korg, because he did Thor Ragnarok, and he played Korg. That's very true, right? (laughs) Um, So, basically, really quick, I'm going to try. Do you mind if I take my hand at Sinatra? Please. So, uh, uh, Viago, 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 Deacon, Vlad, and Peter are four vampires living together in the uh, in the big city <laughs> in New Zealand. In the big city? No, and uh, they are, it's basically just a, a documentary following them around a bunch, they've promised not to eat these guys. And they are vampires and they live together and they have the normal struggles that any group of roommates would. And they go through the normal, awkward, trying to find love and trying to find connections in the big, lonely city together. And it's <laughs> fucking brilliant and fucking hilarious. And it just is a, I'm just gonna gush over how much I love Jermaine uh, yeah, Jermaine the, Clement now. Yeah, the setup is like a it's a documentary crew following them as they gear up for this the unholy That's masquerade. Right. The unholy <laughs> masquerade, right? Which is like their big event of right. The year. Which I want one. Can we start like the Jersey Ghouls unholy masquerade? Oh my god, that's a great <laughs> idea. Let's get horror movie night and start a fucking unholy masquerade. Um, it has to be June sixth at six p.m. Get it? <laughs> six six six. six, six. six. Um, so I fucking love the chore wheel scene. This is <laughs> because it's like anybody have, who's ever lived with their friends knows exactly what this fucking feels done, like. You haven't done dishes in five years. <laughs> yes. Vampires don't do dishes. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> and, then, and then it cuts to the cracks. <laughs> and like, I just, I really love, literally love everything about this film, but I love just the, um, just all the heart of it. Like, they're just all so sweet and lovable. This, Plus, yeah. No, go ahead. Plus, I mean, you have a good cross-section of representing a lot of, like, the big vampires in popular culture. Oh, my God. Throughout. Totally. You have Peter the Nosferatu. Yeah. You got, I got notes here, Vlad. Vlad is, like, the Vlad is Vlad the poker. <laughs> Dracula. I Viago, love his room. Viago, the European dandy. <laughs> A, a deacon, 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 the the European peasant. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is it? What is he? A, like a Nazi? One of them is like he a was. Nazi. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. was. <laughs> he was turned into a vampire by Peter. Worked with the Nazis. And one of the best things, the Nazis. I don't know if you know this, but they had lost the war. <laughs> I love that oh, line no, so much. Um, I watched this with Matt, and I was like, just I was like, this is gonna be the best ever. You're gonna love it so much. And he was like, hmm. And I don't know if it's because I hyped it up so much, or if it's just not as funny as we all think it is. Yeah, like, it absolutely is. I, I think it's one of those movies that, like, the first time you see it, you, you're on the fence, but then if you start quoting it after the fact, you realize the... How brilliant the, it right? is. Part with the... <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, they take the, the all the myths and, 
information about vampires and they have fun with it. Oh my god, yeah, another love letter to horror, like Leslie yeah. Vernon. When they're when they're going out, they, they can't see how they look in the mirror with all the costumes, so they, they, they sketch each other. <laughs> You've got these amazing comedians in this movie, mm-hmm. and they had over, like, what, like 150 plus hours. This movie is primarily improv, and they had over 100 hours that they had to whittle down to an hour and a half. I want to watch all 100 I, You too. <laughs> I would dedicate myself to watch. I do. I want to watch all of them. Yeah, we have to get our hands on, like, the the, the extended cut. Yeah. Gotta be I mean, we're also, I was just going to say, the only, um, I mean, obviously, if anybody has ever watched the show on HBO, Flight of the Concords, or has listened mm-hmm. to Flight of the Concord, uh, Concords, um, obviously, I can't, oh, what's Reese, Reese, who's, who's, Mary. Reese Mary? The, or, no, no Reese, Reese Darby, but in the, in Flight of the Concords, he's Mary. Mary, the agent. And honestly, until last night, I did not remember, I could not remember what his name is in, in this movie because I just referred to him as Mary. He essentially plays the same character, just a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The good. werewolves in this movie, my only gripe about this movie, my only gripe is there's not enough scene with the werewolves. We're werewolves, not werewolves, Jack. They are. They are werewolves, yeah. not werewolves. Uh, to me, that's, there's so many funny parts of this movie. Plus, real quick, we're also forgetting two other important characters. Oh, yeah. Nick, two. Nick, who's the... Nick the vampire. Nick, who's a, who's, he's <laughs> a victim when you first shit. meet him, and then you find him as a vampire. So he's a, he's turned in the movie, so he's kind of like the audience introduction into the world of vampires. Is, you know, also Jackie. Jack, oh, Jackie, yeah, Jackie the Familiar. I love yes. Jackie. I have such good notes about Jackie, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll save them for later. But, I know. Uh, and, and most importantly, Stu. Stu, 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 Stu. Yeah, Stu, Stu is the human of the movie. So the I, hero. yeah, he is arguably, yes. Hero. Um, I also love, I have to say, I, I really have a love affair for Jermaine Clem. Um, because literally, my love for him started with Moana. Because he plays the crab in Moana, and he sings, Shani, and I love that song so much. And when I realized it was him, I was like, Psh. so my love for him just knows no bounds. I just think he's so wonderful, and I want to see him in everything ever. But, um, yeah, no, the, so, okay, wait. So, I want to talk about Jackie, if that's okay, real quick. Because I find her character so sad, and it breaks my heart what they do to her. Yeah, she is the... She's like their servant. He's she like his she's the servant. servant. She's the servant. She is yeah. Deacon's familiar. Right. And there are so many times when you cut back to her cleaning up the oh, mess and just a look of I am so done with this shit. And I've seen this look on my friend Jackie many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done with this shit. I think it's I think it's an interesting take on like the idea of like classism and like servitude and like all she wants is the fucking eternal life. And it's so sad because the quality of her life is so fucking pathetic. It's like, I don't know. It's her character really brings yeah, it down. A little and bit it also me. shows the parallel that like for the longest time, like vampires, that's like a male dominated thing. And she even says in the movie, like, well, if I had a penis, you would have been yes, sooner. Yes. <laughs> because they fucking bite Nick and yeah. turn them. But yeah, no, I, I love that character. I think it's a really interesting take on like the theme that we all crave eternal life and we all secretly desire to like be immortal and like i also think that it's an interesting look at like 
servitude and how we all are slaves she to gets, something. She yeah. gets hers at the end, though. She does. She, she gets, gets hers at the end, end. Which yeah. makes me really happy. Doesn't Nick turn her? Nick yes, turns her. Nick turns her. Because he's a douchebag. Fucking yeah. awesome. I love that he turns her. He is a douche. He's like, that's my servant. That's very rude. I love, and I'm going to skip right to the end, but I love at the end when he calls and we hear his voicemail, he's like, hey, it's Nick the Vampire. Like, his name becomes yes, Nick, Nick the Vampire. vampire. You think he learned when the Vampire Hunter gets poor Peter. <laughs> but I love, oh, I love Peter. So sad when Peter dies. Fucking breaks my heart every time. Poor <laughs> um, Peter. The, the, the scene with the cops at the t- right after Nick's, or Peter's it's death, so is great. Because they're coming to the house because they hear screeching. Nick, they find out Nick is the one who's been telling everybody he's a vampire because he's been going around saying, you know, Twilight, that's me. I'm Twilight. I love that. And then he stumbles upon a vampire hunter. Yeah. The guy tells him he's a vampire hunter, yeah. too. He doesn't fucking believe him. He doesn't him. believe him. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, he apologizes, and then he and Nick start fighting through the house where great camera work, but they start fighting on the walls and then yeah. the ceiling. That scene apparently, like, blew their budget. Like, literally, like, I read this thing about how, like, and then when they turn into the bats at one point, it's because they ran out of money. Like, they literally had to... We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I thought one thing that is kind of cool and more layered about this film is that we all have, like, it, their daily life is so... Like, no one escapes the, the fucking sludge and drear, like, like, dreariness of daily living. Like, immortal vampires still have to do house chores. Do fucking dishes, right? And it's like, also, like, you can't escape the existential crisis of it all. Like, like, think about it. Like, you don't really want to live forever. Jesus Christ, I could barely handle and, my and fucking life honestly, as it is. That, that's one of the, the few moments that kind of blew me away is at the tail end, when, when they get attacked by the werewolves, Stu loses life. Deacon is consoling Nick, and then he starts he starts saying like, "What if he died?" And he starts listing all these absurd ways. And then he has this moment where he starts where he really gets real and says like, "Well, starts talking about you know you see all your friends, all your family, they die of old age, and then like they forget who you are." And he starts listening to just everything that like you deal with with family members that get old and pass away. Yeah. The thing is, you're immortal. You are always gonna see that. To me, this—I mean, you're totally right. To me, this speaks to like the the the, the human exist the, the the truth of our existence, which is fucking pain and suffering. Yeah. But then, but then, but then, within three seconds, they bring it right back to what if he died by making a mask out of crackers and he got attacked by ducks? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want to go, man. Um, no, I, yeah, I think there's a depth to this movie that is very subtle, but also very painful reminder of just how much, how fucking hard life can be, you know? And for me, the, the, this is the kind of comedy that I like. It's very, I, I like the subtle humor because the, the slapstick interface humor is great, but it doesn't hold up over time. Yeah. This... I mean, there are so many jokes that, like, I keep rediscovering. And the character of Iago, like, is just my favorite because he is just, like, a glass is half full. Like, he he's just... doing real life. I do. I, like, relate to Iago. Like, you know, he just wants all the, so the flatmates to get along. And he... Vicky, Vicky. He, like, wakes everybody up in the morning. I don't know. And that's so another sweet. great aspect of the movie is 
all the characters are fantastic. They really There's are. not a bad character in the No, bunch. you're 100% right. I love all of them for their own very uh -huh. different reasons. Like, Deacon makes his 180 where he's, I'm like, kind of guy. a douche in the beginning. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, like, Nick is his, like, you know, their enemies. But in the him. end, he's the one that consoles him and is like, look, like, this is our life now. And this is, like, I'm going to help you get through it. I know. Thing. There's a lot of sweet. Like, there's a lot of heart in this movie, which is the other thing that tethers me to it. I think it also, like... The part with Viago, Vigo and his Viago. little, sorry, the part with Viego and his little, like, his Catherine, girlfriend. Catherine. Oh, that fucking breaks my heart every time I love when they're together. I'm just, I adore everything. I love, what's his, wait, what's his butler, the guy who was supposed to serve in the box? Yes, okay. Philip. Oh, that whole thing cracks that, my shit that up. That was a fantastically awkward moment <laughs> when he's when they, and teaching them how to use the internet. Skype. <laughs> uh, and then Skype's his oh, assistant, God. who's now 90, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you put the wrong postage on there. It took me 18 took me months. 20. Yeah, and then it's all Philip's fault. Then and he's like, Master, you were going to give me turn life. And then just click I know, he's like, because <laughs> he didn't give me, he didn't give motherfucker. But yeah, like the Catherine story, like I'm such a sap because that warmed my heart. I was like, oh, I, I know. love Catherine. Oh, well, yeah, and I like the awkward thing at the end. Like, I know there's the age difference. I'm 379 and she's 96. But whatever. I know, it's, it's so funny, but it's so sweet. I'm a cradle robber. <laughs> it's and, just yeah. and then at the end when Stu bridges the gap between the vampires and the werewolves, again, yeah. Stu saving the, the day. day. Yeah. Everybody loves yeah. Stu. Um, let's talk yeah. about the, because we haven't touched on it all, the, the, the unholy the unholy masquerade. Oh, the yeah. big event where you've got, you've got an, of all of, New, what is it, all of New Zealand or Wellington. Uh, oh, you yeah. got the, you, you've got the vampires, you've got the witches, you've got the oh, zombies. The zombies. Yes. Um, zombies you know, so when the one zombie, when Stu is there and he was like, um, are you pre-deceased? <laughs> I love, I love just the casualness <laughs> of announcing the raffle tickets. Yeah, a dollar each, where you can get five for three dollars, and they're raffling off a guy in a cage. Yep. <laughs> I just love how it feels like every like obligatory like fundraisery event you have yeah. to go to that you're like really not really looking forward to, but once you're there, you have fun. And the reveal of the beast. You keep hearing oh, about the beast. Vlad's yeah. the battles with the oh beast, God, and his powers were never right since then. He can never. He would always turn he it out. He right? can't. He can't get the faces right. Oh, beast. Which is leads to a great little one-off moment where Nick is running through the house when he's getting hunted by him and he sees the cat with his face. He's like, oh my god, the cat! <laughs> the cat with his face. But yeah, so literally, the beast is revealed to be uh, his ex-girlfriend, Pauline. Yes, which <laughs> amen to that, right? Who doesn't have a beast in their lives, am I right? <laughs> and Vlad thought he was going to be the honored guest. I know. It comes to find out, and it's he the just, fucking And I love just this visual sight gag of he, him Eating it, he gets quiet, and you see the vein just pop up on his head, and then he looks like a decrepit old man. Viago's <laughs> like, like, that is a reaction that he has just learned. I love <laughs> his yeah. like comments on what's going on in their lives are just so endearing. Just, oh, and, this, and then along the same lines, at the end when um, they're at the masquerade. And it's revealed that Stu is a human and they're all circling them. And he was like, you know, uh, he's like, but there was confusion on the uh, envelope. It says plus one. And he points to the woman starting and he's like, and this is a note for you that it says plus one and it doesn't specify human. I love when he like calls around. Yeah. <laughs> At the end when Vlad's like, Stu, you and I defeated him equally. 
<laughs> Together, equally. And, we and out of nowhere, him. he's fighting the beast's new boyfriend, and then Stu comes out of nowhere with a pole and just I pales. know. Oh, but that's like those moments of gore that are so... Because it's like, here are these characters who are so, so human, and then they're, you're like, oh shit, they're vampires. Like, they're fucking eating the fuck out of people. At one, you but know, you know like, what? It paints such a funny picture of like, okay, like, yeah, if a vampire bites your neck, it might get messy. But they don't show you that in regular vampire movies. <laughs> but in this movie, you see Viago putting down Oh my god, I love when he puts the newspapers oh. down around her. It's their last night on Earth. You might not make it special. But I like that's a running tag. Like, he's been doing it for so long, but he keeps hitting the artery oh and just opens I love the purpose. Like, trying to drink it. I oh god. With his mouth in the hands. air. Yeah, I love that they show that, yeah, it can be messy being a vampire. <laughs> I know. And even, like, the scene with the paling, you're like, oh, Fuck. Yeah. You know, like it's it's so funny that they took these like creatures that have always been very like romanticized and like dark and made them so fucking perfectly human. They, like, they, <laughs> they take and they're, they they just make it. They have fun with what a vampire is. Oh my god! Yeah, when they're doing chores in the beginning, when they're vacuuming. Now you can fly, so it's, now. You don't just have to vacuum the floor. You vacuum the walls. Yeah. And the ceiling Super too. easy. Or like all the things that you would never think are the logistical nightmares of being a vampire. Like the whole like aging of the other people and everything else. Not like, being able to go into public places without being in, oh, invited. Oh, and they try to get in the club and they're like, just come on, just invite us in. Yeah. And they're dressed so weird. Oh God, I, I love it. And then they go, and then Nick gets them into the one place. It's, yeah. oh man, I love everything about this film. And you can't eat chips anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That would devastate me too, for the record. Um, the other thing that I think this movie calls to, which is a, a kind of interesting theme too, is like this idea that we live in very isolated, like we live very isolated lives these days, like especially in cities. And I mean, we're kind of spoiled in that none of us necessarily live in a city, but I think there's a very real loneliness to like being single and in a big city. Like I think that you just being single period. in life yeah. in general. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. I think that this really kind of, plays with that theme that like all we're looking for is connection in the world you know like that's all we want out of life and like that's all they want too i mean and in the end you know they have each other that's right you know viago gets his girl yeah and you they know, still have they, they, they still have, have stew and then they get the so, werewolves in like yeah, they kind of they're they're, they're like friend group grows I, yeah. and i love that like that they do find a way to get along it, it was it was like the vampires and the werewolves just didn't like each other they hate each other they just didn't like each other and which is yeah another cute little play on like racism and like overcoming our differences like it, there's just so many nuanced sweet little things about yes. this film that and i think that that's true to a lot of the comedy these guys do like behind all the silliness there's always a lot of sweetness and a lot of heart and i like that yeah, and I'm also laughing because I can't think of the vampires without thinking we're werewolves, not square wolves. And then the part where they pretend to throw the stick and the one that falls from the I know. He's faking, he's in like, come stick. on. Yeah. The, the bat fight was fantastic. It really was. Yeah, there's just, there's nothing other than fantastic to describe it. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, overall, if you haven't seen this movie, oh my God. please go see this movie. Uh, this movie is amazing. Anybody that even puts any sort of love out to horror needs to see this movie. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed enjoyed this episode and yes thank you so much james for coming out and thank being for a guest for me. us yeah we and yeah. i tried not to pop my peas or flail <laughs> around like i normally do like a spaz but yes thank you so much for tuning in as always and james 
thank you so much for, for coming out. Yeah. Um, Don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you're going to find us pretty much everywhere. Same thing for our podcast. If you search Jersey Ghouls on your favorite podcast app, we are most likely there. Please check out jerseyghouls.com. You're going to find our podcast, our blog, our movie reviews, and just a lot of good stuff there. So we hope you guys have had fun tonight. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.